Welcome to Courageous Wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Allie French. And this is a podcast about individual journeys toward wellness and how to navigate it all. After Allie experienced a cancer diagnosis in her 20s, and Erica went through a sustained weight loss and self-love journey, we created a platform to interview real people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices. From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are now certified integrative nutrition health coaches, and together with our community, we are learning to live our best lives by telling one courageous story at a time. It takes courage to share these journeys, and by talking about them and sharing personal stories of real people, we aim to destigmatize the process. Join us as we and our community share our courageous wellness. Welcome to this week's episode of Courageous Wellness. We have a new episode that we know you're going to love just in time for the holidays. Today, we sit down with the co-founders and sister duo of Sand Sisters Los Angeles, Teddy and Sonia Serge. Sand Sisters Los Angeles Girl Powerful Program is a youth empowerment nonprofit designed to give females the socio-emotional learning tools to build a strong sense of self. Sand Sisters mentors predominantly underserved tween girls ages 8 to 14 to develop the tools to build a strong sense of self to increase their academic performance, social well-being, and build positive self-esteem. They work to create a foundation that will carry these young women into a thriving and balanced adulthood. In this conversation with Teddy and Sonia, we speak honestly and openly about our childhoods, emotional experiences as tweens, and learn about the important work that they do with adolescent girls. We also learn about the events they host for adult women and speak on tools that are applicable to all, regardless of age. We appreciate Teddy and Sonia for the work they do and opening up to have a vulnerable and honest conversation that we all gain something from. Also, Courageous Wellness will be off next week for the Christmas holiday, which falls this year on a Wednesday, but we will be back with exciting new episodes on Wednesday, January 1st. Topics in January will include Whole30, food freedom and intuitive eating, high fiber diets, fitness, and more with wonderful guests. Enjoy this episode and let us know what you think by tagging us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness. We have an exciting new discount for our listeners with Four Sigmatic. Four Sigmatic offers superfood coffee and elixirs to upgrade your daily routine. The powerful antioxidants, antiviral effects, and immune-boosting properties of mushrooms transform your cup of joe from an energy-boosting treat to a health-enhancing choice. Along with mushroom coffee, Four Sigmatic also offers mushroom elixirs, mushroom hot cocos, and other shroom-filled products. Erica uses the lion's mane in her morning superfood coffee, and even though I hate mushrooms, I absolutely love the products, especially the matcha latte powder, which contains myataki mushrooms and adaptogens. For 10% off Four Sigmatic products, visit foursigmatic.com and use the code COURAGEOUS at checkout, and there's also a direct link in our show notes. Ladies, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having us. We're so excited to have this conversation with you. Um, to start off, can you just tell a little 
uh, tell us and our listeners a little bit about your personal journeys. I know your sisters, real life sisters, <laughs> um, and how that led you to create Sand Sisters LA. Yeah. So hi, this is Sonia and. Teddy and I, we both developed Sand Sisters LA. It's a youth empowerment nonprofit designed to give girls, teen girls, the social and emotional skills to build a strong sense of self. And really our journey to this place was living with a single mom, being alone after school, not having the tools to really build a solid foundation to have like positive emotional health like my story is a little different from Teddy's she was older and she was like my caretaker but I grew up so angry like I was just so angry I was like you know like why is this my life I felt like everything was when I became more self-aware as a young girl we grew up in the midwest and it was like super small town super everyone went to church like no one was had a single mom like you know like we I felt so different and at the same time like our dad left so I felt really unwanted and I just didn't have the tools to do it and I think my mom you know was working hard she'd come home at 11 because she had two jobs she'd like kiss me on the forehead and we see her on Sundays you know that kind of thing so I was like it was just hard and I'm like it took me a really long time just to like move through it and not be so angry and like Teddy started working at a school who who is like a private school and they primarily do social and emotional learning work so she was bringing back all these exercises like this is so cool like Sonia <laughs> here you know what I mean but like real and then teaching me like inviting me to go to kundalini yoga with her and like you know all this more like moving more into the spiritual side or like actually like moving through my emotions as well as physically moving my body. So it just kind of helped. And then we were like, let's make a 10 week after school program for girls based on this, because that's basically what I needed when I was a young girl. And it was what I needed when I was 25. So yeah, that's my personal journey, but you want to go? <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. Your p- perspective on it. Um, I started Sand Sisters as a means to an end, honestly. I was a teacher, and I was like, I am I love teachers. No offense to anybody, but it, the four walls and the teaching the same curriculum every year, it wasn't, in, it wasn't in me. I'm a very creative person. I like to connect with different kinds of people, and, like, it's very political to work in a school. And then you have the, the admin after you, you have the parents after you, and you have the kids after you. So I was like, this is like me against the world. So I was like, no, thank you. And that's when I started working in after school programs and planning enrichment curriculum for kids. So I'd plan 30 classes a week, Taekwondo, ceramics, um, Legos, like all that kind of stuff. And then I saw like throughout what I was seeing in the school day, all the girls like coming up to me being like, she's being mean, she said this, she said that. And like second graders, like really, and really mean stuff, mean girl stuff. And I was like, oh, I can make a solution for this because like Sonia mentioned, we grew up with each other and a single mom and it was always women that stepped up to help, like our aunt or our grandma or our neighbors, women. So I was like comfortable with women, so sisterhood. And then I was comfortable um, teaching. Mm-hmm. And that's why Sand Sisters happened. And I want, we started just like as a group of girls that would meet at the beach. And then that was in 2012. And here we are t- end of 2019. And it's really, I mean, we worked with 1700 girls in our 10 week after school programs. And that's what's unique about us is that we have a 10, a 10, like we touch them 10 times, right? Mm-hmm. We're not just like in and out of schools in and out of community centers, 
in and out of like low income areas because that's not what they need. They need someone to keep showing up for them and actually giving them tools to be successful, grow their confidence, spark their like inner powers. And that's what girl powerful means is that the power comes from inside you, not girl power. We don't like boys or anything like that. Mm. It's like it's just knowing that as a girl, you are powerful and no one tells you that. And that's what Sonia was kind of saying, like growing up in Missouri, we just no one, no one sports girls like we just went back. It's it's like nothing changed. It's really freaky, actually. And then like rural areas, I would say, in my opinion, what I've seen through my eyes is that it's way worse off than any ghetto you can find in a big city. There might not be the gun violence and stuff like that. But those kids have no access to anybody. They have no food, like you guys mentioned earlier, pre-conversation, like food scarcity. Woo! Really big problem. And then just the people they're led by in the after-school programs or the YMCAs or the Boys and Girls Clubs, they're just, you know, they don't have resources. They don't know how to empower themselves, let alone the kids. Yeah, yeah. I can relate to so much of your story. I was, you know, there was... I've spoken about this on the podcast before, but so much of my childhood between, I'd say the ages of 10 and 14 specifically, um, but a little bit earlier, maybe a little bit after, um, my dad was away and my mom was basically a single mom, even though um, my parents were not divorced, but it was just me, my brother and my mom. And she was working two jobs and it was it was dire times, you know, we Mm -hmm. couldn't afford food. Um, I was in after school programs Mm -hmm. and, you know, like I said, before we started recording, I'm so grateful for my spiritual practice because if I didn't have that and that community, I don't know what I would have done because Mm -hmm. I've seen right this void that you guys are talking about and exactly what these kids need is someone to be there, especially young women, (laughs) you know, especially adolescent young women. But, um, Yeah. And I think too, I was over the summer, I read this article, I think it was in Time Magazine. I think it was over the summer that it was published, but it talked about like a loneliness epidemic actually. Oh yeah. (laughs) And how like that is the epidemic that is plaguing um, our society right now. And it's actually an epidemic like cancer or anything else because it's that serious and we need to start taking it. That That comes up in our classes. Like nine-year-old girls are able to say, I'm lonely and they have everything they need like beautiful house in Brentwood two parents like all this access to everything private school yeah and they're they're like I'm lonely and they can identify that that that's yeah. the feeling inside them that's like not being taken care of wow you know it's really interesting hearing you both speak about this I also grew up with a single mom I was an only child mm-hmm. so spent a lot of time uh I I never really like classified myself as a latchkey kid but I guess I sort of was because I I remember like like forgetting my key and having to like break into my own house (laughs) like I knew all the windows that would like I mean it was also a different time which Mm. is something that I feel like is coming up for me when you're speaking about especially about this loneliness epidemic now and what you're dealing with with young you work primarily with tweens right like 8 to 14 is that correct okay so especially in 2019 and I I get sad about this and I would love you both to speak about it because I think you're seeing it and probably experts on it at this point but you know growing up in the 90s um, we didn't have these devices at our fingertips and um, we didn't even have the 
I mean, the internet existed, but it wasn't it, like took even 12 minutes to dial up, right? <laughs> right. Like it was, yeah, right. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or play like Tetris, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so um, I just would love you to both maybe touch on what you're seeing with specifically this generation of girls. You know, this, mm-hmm. there was that we had this sort of common experience as children, home alone, kind of fending for ourselves, which definitely creates, you know, the need for sort of emotional learning, working through emotions. I'm sure of any generation has experienced that, but I think there's a new layer of complexity now. And do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. So what I see firsthand is girls right now, they don't really know how to form a healthy relationship. You know, they can get online and they can get on TikTok and do all these dances and be this person. And then you see them in real life with a group of people and they're kind of like, whoa, where are their social skills to actually interact and build a relationship person to person? So it's, you know, it's really interesting how girls just, you know, every, everybody's just like kind of hiding behind their phone or like projecting this one personality online. But then mm. whenever it's time to really connect and have community, they're not, you know, they're not really able to do it. How did you guys get so comfortable as well sharing your personal story, right? Like you talked mm-hmm. about in the beginning, it was so difficult for you growing up. And I think even for myself, it took me such a, like, not that there was shame attached to it, but there was, I think, like being a kid who could only afford to eat like dollar menu McDonald's, like there was some aspect of shame attached to that for me for such a long time and um you know I was able to really work through that now I like you guys I'm like uh, an open book I'll tell you guys anything you want to hear about my life but I think especially right especially kids who are dealing with loneliness Mm -hmm. any sort of trauma like even if you have you know um I grew up in Malibu which you know on the surface is it is a very affluent beautiful community but this stuff was still happening there right so I think any sort of trauma that happens it can be hard to speak about. So how did, how did you guys work through that? And how do you guys work with the the girls to be able to do that as well? I mean, I think honestly, probably last year was when I was like, Oh, I'm, I've overcame something. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, like Santa's actually took off and I wasn't just a school teacher, not just a school teacher, but that's not really exciting when you live in LA mm-hmm. and everyone's like in the industry mm-hmm. and they're friends with Miley Cyrus or whatever, <laughs> you know what I mean? And you're like, oh shit, I'm still this like person from Springfield, Missouri. Mm-hmm. And that's not good enough. Mm-hmm. And that's not even like what other people thought. It's yeah. like what I knew about myself and how capable I was to be better and be known and like be able to heal some girls and heal myself and, you know, have a community that I led And I think that's where, like, the teaching foundation came from. Like, it really helps the ancestors, like, be like, well, honestly, if everyone could be a teacher for a couple years, everyone would probably be a lot happier because they'd know how to teach, like, and share their story because that's what you do every day in the classroom, right? You're up there telling a story to your kids. Like, this is important because X, Y, and Z. This is happening to me. And, like, as a teacher... I've always been open to the kids and I always connected with the divorce kids the most or the free and reduced lunch kids the most. And I'm like, Oh, you're new. Me too. Even if I wasn't, but I like, there's that like isolated, a lonely feeling on the playground. And I'm like, that kid needs someone to hug them, you know, Mm -hmm. but that's even in real life. Right. So we have 
a monthly a monthly gathering called Self Love Club, mm. and we just always everyone has the best feedback from those because we actually genuinely like greet people at the door with a, a real hug, mm. you know what I mean? And it's not like, oh well, our real friends are over in the corner on this couch, mm. and like you know, it's like we just kind of like to keep everything as equal as possible because that's what I wish I had when I entered like frat parties or I entered all these <laughs> things that were toxic to me that I would like long story short like probably drank to like hide and like yeah. not be yeah it just it wasn't comfortable and yeah. no one really talks about that kind of stuff like what did you do to you to like hide your anxiety or hide your social problems right (laughs) and that's what this whole program's about is like let's talk about it and make it a prevention program yeah so I want to go into a little bit about what you do in the program with um is it called socio emotional learning is that correct so social and emotional okay social and emotional learning I'd love to go into that but um I'm just curious, is the self-love club for also for the younger women or is it for no, adult women? No, it's for like us. That's what I thought. To support this, this program. Yeah. So it's full-blown fundraisers every month. Yeah. And we just have a genuine conversation. We invite guest speakers to come or someone that like wants to do yoga or talk about elixirs and like adding superfoods. You know, yeah. just like we like to have a community where the things that we love are brought to the table for our friends and like honestly there's a lot of teachers in our community so we want to keep them healthy because they're doing a lot for our youth and we found that a lot of adult women would like come volunteer or see the work we're doing and they're like wait I need this I need this Mm -hmm. for myself and we're like okay so we're kind of like doing sand sisters girl powerful for women yeah Yeah. it seems like because because it's so incredible that this this certain age group now is having access to this and this resource but like you said there's like a generation of women who are like wait I could use that and I could use it now yeah you know it's never too late to start doing that work on yourself well can I just really quick go back to your question about social media and phones and kids and humans hands yeah I do think that that is the problem like if we were gonna really talk about it it's like you compare yourself constantly you're not on there for like shits and giggles like we can do that somewhere else yeah you're on there to be like oh did someone like me enough is my self-worth there am I pretty enough am I skinny enough it's all these things like that can you imagine having that in your face at eight and then you get an alert like CNN school shooting you know no one can protect you anymore like that's what the problem with the access to phones is is no one's being protected kids are not protected anymore. They're mm. not children. Yeah. And so that's like their brain's getting wired the wrong way. Well, yeah, because they're not developmentally like there yet to receive this kind yeah. of traumatic news. We were in a wellness center at Beverly Hills High School mm. last week whenever the Santa Clarita shooting happened. And these two girls ran into the center. It's like, thank God they have that resource where there is a, you know, a therapist on site but they were just like my friends are there my cousins are there just like hysterically bawling at 11 a.m when it's like how do they know that this happened because they have their phones so interesting you know it's it's interesting it's bringing up for me and I've never talked about this on the podcast but here we go girls (laughs) it's gonna be like therapy on the podcast I was 15 god it's like making me emotional and um I was going to school in New York City, and it was my second day of high school there. 
and it was September 11th, 2001. And we lost um, a lot of parents, and there was like going through that kind of trauma. Interestingly enough, it didn't feel like trauma when I was going through it because it wasn't on my phone, even though I was there in Manhattan, stuck in the city overnight. I was from New Jersey originally. You know, walking to a friend's house with a bunch of friends who had met there with ashes all over them, like right there. But it didn't feel like trauma when I was going through it. Interestingly enough, though, I'm thinking about all these kids who've grown up in a generation where they are constantly experiencing this kind of violent trauma and on a I mean, smaller scale, but it's it's an epidemic. So it is a mass scale. Like we've had way more gun deaths than than that single day. Right. And I just think that like, I couldn't imagine going through that kind of like violent sort of thing over and over and getting that information over and over and over. And every time you go to school thinking it's supposed to be a safe place that you actually have an element of fear. Like, will I, will I die today in school? Um, anyway, that's just like breaking and general, Yeah, it's so real. And Generation Z is the first generation that feels unsafe. So everywhere they go, they have this layer of fear and be like, is something going to happen to me? Mm -hmm. Which is why it's a mental health crisis right now, because everyone's anxious, they're stressed, they're overwhelmed, and they don't know what, you know, they don't feel safe. Yeah. And that's like what social and emotional learning is, is like feeling safe, learning how to manage your emotions, setting goals and all this stuff. But it's like... The kids don't, you know, they're, <laughs> they're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully a little less yeah, fucked no, because of Sonia, you guys. No, Sonia, you know. no. Yeah, and even, <laughs> I mean, obviously that's like one end of the spectrum of like that type of like violent mm-hmm. trauma that they're being exposed to. But I remember even on like the more superficial side of that when I was 16 and my space was like where we went after uh-huh. school. And it was literally, I remember this, it's so crazy to think I like participated in this. Like, where was my brain? Were you a catfish? No, 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 oh. not a catfish. Oh. <laughs> I was. That's why I was oh like, oh, God. you are my friend. No. We catfished I, all day long. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, like my friends and I would go in like chat rooms and like, like fuck with people, yeah. <laughs> like, you know. Um, but on MySpace specifically, it was like you could upload your picture and people would rate like hotness. Hotness. Yes, I remember and, that. And uh, uh, yeah, it was. But I can only imagine now with Instagram and uh, like, gosh, whatever. I don't even know what TikTok is. Like, you know, I, I mean, I, I've heard we'll of it, show but it's you like, later. I just, you know, I, I, yeah, it's like, gosh, like the comparison game is, ah, oh, it just. And it's yeah. cool if you're doing it to be creative or you're like, sure. I am like a fashionista. Let me show you my cool ways. Right. But I don't know that that's always the intention from a 13 year old. No, I'm going to say even it's not always the intention for people from in us. their 30s. Right. Mm-hmm. So like adult people are just sort of, you, you know, it's interesting. I've been thinking a lot about this as far as social media goes. And I'm assuming we're all sort of in the same age bracket. Yeah. Um, but the generation right above us, Gen X, um, they didn't grow up with any sort of internet, right? They were adults when that sort of presented itself right. uh, on a more like common basis. We were maybe young adults by the time the iPhone came out, um, but we were the generation that had that transition of it. Right. And now this this next generation is the first generation who's had it their entire lives. And they're the children of Gen Xers. Right. And so I feel like we're now seeing for the first time 
the repercussions of what it is to raise children like we had it for part of our childhood mm-hmm. not to the extent that it is now but I think there's an awareness of the older millennial generation where we're like okay we've seen because we've experienced a little bit of what can happen with this and um but the the Gen Xers didn't they weren't kids when they right. when they got exposed to it so they're they had no sense of like hey maybe we shouldn't allow our children to like have free for all yeah. ding 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 you ding. know that's exactly right okay that's because some of the observation i just, just recently say made. it's like mommy i want a phone daddy buy me a phone and then they buy him a phone yeah and there's no rules they don't tell you what it means because that gen gen doesn't X know doesn't know they're not on there they're not addicted like we are okay, yeah and so for example we just made a couple of videos talking about text responsibly because no one's talking about that to gen z mm-hmm. like and they need that so much and it's always about yeah the the notifications right the red little dots on there and that is just like what makes them feel valued right well i also think it might even be an this is like i have no statistics on this but from some sort of social observations that i've made i think it's an issue probably with their now socially for their parents generation as Mm -hmm. well because they didn't weren't raised on it and I think there's a certain amount of um like like you said lack of it's not even lack of responsibility it's lack of knowing that like I I don't know I see a bunch of people of the generation the gen xers getting on social media Uh not really knowing how to use it but also finding their validation in that as well and I feel like we're this sort of in between who's like wait a second we sort of know what can happen and we know how it can feel, but like we need to regulate ourselves too. Cause you know? we, yeah, I don't know. There's something about millennials that we kind of know. We know both worlds, but yeah. we also, I feel like we're all a little woke, mm-hmm. you know, and that's a stupid word, but that's the way how to describe it right now in my head. And I do think that that's the difference. We're like, wait, some of this isn't right. We're still a part of it. And we want to grow our businesses. We want to grow our podcast. We want to grow our nonprofit. So we need it. But we're all looking at it that way, too, as an entrepreneurial standpoint. It's like, we need this tool. But how can we limit it, right? All the Instagram's giving us that and other apps are like, okay, this isn't healthy. Like, download this immediately. Yeah. So, so what have some of the most rewarding experiences been for you working with these um, girls mm-hmm. and also women, right? Because you do work with women. Um, so, yeah, what are some of those rewarding experiences? I can think of two things right off the top of my head. One is that a lot of the moms that we see who enroll their daughters into our program need the work just as much. So they need that boost of self-confidence or self-esteem building and um, with self-love club a lot of moms come so it's like one mom in particular she couldn't even stand up and share in a circle of women and we make it a point to be very very comfortable and like very safe feeling because that's our anxiety is public speaking yeah so she couldn't stand up and just say one we were doing celebrate the small stuff so celebrate one small thing that happened this week you know anything it could be anything like I watered my plant and everyone would be like yay you know yeah she couldn't she was shut down she was so closed off and so just knowing that her daughter is in our program because you know a lot of times daughters will repeat what they see at home so it's like her daughter had little to no chance but thank god she keeps coming back to our program and she's just like vibrant and confident and we know that it's because she she, you know we're a part of her growth 
And yeah. her mom knows that too. Her, mom, <laughs> yeah. her mom's acknowledged that. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. And maybe she will in turn help her mom, mm-hmm. you know, right. which right. is pretty cool. Yeah. Really cool. Can you tell us a little bit about what, so I'm a 10 year old girl and mm-hmm. I'm coming to the program, the after school program. Can you tell us what a day might look like? With you guys? Yes. So we always have, so our program's called Girl Powerful, and it's led by our self-reflective journal, Mm -hmm. and it's always um, like a word of the day. So we'll have a word of the day, maybe we'll talk about change, and then it will have an affirmation. So it'd be like, I am open to change. And by the end of the the workshop or the class, it's like we want them to incorporate that positive self-talk into their daily life. Mm -hmm. So we'll talk about changes at school, maybe changes at home like for instance my best friend made the soccer team you know like going into middle school it's like you know people friendships start to divide because you go into your one sport or your one thing that you're good at so we talk about how you can like keep a healthy relationship with that person even though there's change and yeah we do self-reflective stuff and then we just encourage them to go and do that in real life Mm -hmm. so then they can you know grow up with that healthy foundation um, you guys offer this book, this mm-hmm. journal, uh, on your website as well, correct? So yeah. even if someone didn't have access to where you're doing the um, programs locally, like in the Los Angeles area, they would be able to find this resource if they're interested? Yeah, that's exactly even why we made it. We were getting a lot of Instagram messages and emails saying, like, I'm in Connecticut. Like, how, do I t- how does my daughter take your program? And we're like, we need to write a book. And so that's where this is coming from. And it's been really well received. And we look at it like a a girl could do it by herself. A mom could do it with a daughter. A teacher could do it with a group of girls after school that's not getting along. Mm -hmm. Someone could throw it in the back of their van and say, do this instead of like play on the iPad. Like there's a lot of reasons and like hows to make this a successful um, tool for your for your kid or your family. That's amazing. And, you you know, I want to, for anybody listening, right, um, I remember when I was a kid and it was during that period of time, right, the holidays are approaching. They're here. And it was a really hard time, right, because it's a a very obvious reminder of maybe Mm -hmm. what you don't have, what other people are enjoying, especially even just with if your family isn't together, you know, loneliness is just heightened during the holidays. So for anybody listening who um, has a child or a niece um, or even themselves, right? Because we're not um, removed from that. We can feel especially lonely this time of year. What are some practical tools that you would give, you know, the girls and women you work with um, that, you know, anybody listening can really apply if they're kind of feeling that way right now. I think one of our favorite pages that we always mention is this girl powerful brain dump. And I don't know if you've heard about that, but you could, so I'll just do this as a kid's perspective school. These are the categories you would write on a piece of paper, school, friends, family, positive thoughts, negative thoughts. And if they're old enough body. So we don't do that unless you actually are a teenager. Cause, but before that they're like, what do you mean? There's nothing wrong with me. Right. <laughs> like they're like, like eight and beautiful yeah. and they like, don't know there's anything wrong. And it's like, let's keep, Oh you my God. I was wrap like, you stay up. That way. It's so beautiful. And then yeah. even if that does come up and they see it on the page, we're like, write two positive things right there yeah. and it flows out. So, but yeah, so positive thing and a negative thing at school and you just get it out. You're like, 
Sarah was mean to me today or Sarah wore the same shirt I wore yesterday. What the hell? Or like, <laughs> you know, and then or a positive thing like I studied and I feel comfortable going into class today for my test. Mm -hmm. And you just like label these things and you get it out. Just like kind of everything in therapy is always like write a letter, get it out, send it or don't send it. It's like we're not going to send it. It's in a <laughs> it's in a journal. But I think really getting everything to clear your mind. This is such an opportunity for a kid or a person to reset. And then with all those positive things, that's like a gratitude list. Right. And that always makes you feel better because we at least we have our heartbeat. We're breathing. Somehow we're listening to this podcast. So things aren't terrible. Right. For me, it's, it was all about my inner dialogue. And I think that's the biggest thing, like going into the holiday season and feeling whole and complete or just grateful enough to have what you have. So um, I always like to teach the girls just because I'm like, this is the most important thing to me is when I experience negative self-talk and I start going down that hole, like you could spend a whole day doing that stuff or looking in the mirror and thinking this stuff. So it's like literally saying stop whenever that negative starts creeping in and then redirect it into a positive and then it really can change your entire day, your entire mindset. We want to take a quick moment away from this episode to tell you about today's sponsor, Beekeepers Naturals. Beekeepers Naturals is a wellness company specializing in innovative nutraceuticals made from healing hive compounds and plant-based ingredients. Their mission is to improve people's health naturally and save the bees. Erica and I love these products and have been using them since December when CEO and founder Carly Stein was featured on the podcast. I use their bee pollen in my smoothies and love the superfood cacao honey, but my favorite is the bee chill hemp honey. It delivers a powerful 28 milligrams of hemp oil per teaspoon so that you can find your bliss. Made with USA-grown hemp, it is non-psychoactive and contains 0% THC. I take it most evenings before bed or after a long day at work to completely relax and sleep through the night. It also curbs my sweet tooth since it is so delicious. What about you? Well, you know I love the propolis spray more than anything, but I also love the Beelixir Brain Fuel. It's a caffeine-free liquid vial with ingredients like ginkgo biloba and royal jelly that is really great for fighting brain fog and enhancing focus and concentration without any jitters. If you want to try Beekeepers Naturals, you can receive 15% off your Beekeepers Naturals order by using the code COURAGEOUSWELLNESS all one word at checkout or visit beekeepersnaturals.com slash courageous wellness. And you can also find that direct link in our show notes. Now back to the episode. When do you notice, I'm curious in the change when girls start to become conscious of body image, what, what is sort of that age point? Yeah, the confidence gap. So it, it does start with tweens, ages 8 to 14. And studies show that their confidence decreases by 30%, and they never get it back. So that's why we start at that age and do our Girl Powerful work with them, because we want it to be a prevention program. So like when you're 8 and you like are in love with yourself, and you're, you, know, you can take on the entire world, and you're just like a human, not like a girl, you know? Right. It's like we don't want that to ever decrease yeah I think puberty when whenever you 
your body decides I'm going to grow up, that's when you start being more self-aware. And, like, no one talks to you about your period. Like, oh, my gosh, I think my mom talked to me about sex at, like, 24. And I was like, <laughs> uh-oh, mom, we missed the boat. You know? And I was like, you got to go in the other room right now. But, um, yeah, so I think that's what triggers the yeah. change is, yeah. like, oh, man. Because you have to become aware of your body all of a sudden because yeah. it's changing. Yeah, you're like, let's put pads in our panties and yeah. no one's going to really talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's and it. is that boy looking at my little boobies? Is, yeah. is right. that girl looking at my boobs? Like, right. why do I look like this? Did I just gain weight? What are these pimples? Or you're I'm taller. Oh, I was like a head above literally oh, every boy in my look class. Look how tall we are. We were like, here we come. <laughs> it's time for fifth grade. Fifth grade's here, chicken yeah. nuggets. No, I I was the same way, but then I just stopped really. like I, yeah. I So I feel weird now, even to this day, that like I'm sort of a short person. Like, because in my mind, I was always you're like the, tall the tallest, girl. biggest. And then, and it's like now, like people are like, you're kind of a shorty or whatever. And I'm like, I am? Like, I don't feel like, you know, I used to stand in the back of the class pictures. What do you know? What do you know? I was, yeah, I was, I mean, I'm taller than Allie. Um, I'm not as tall as you guys, Mm -hmm. but I was the shortest person until like eighth or ninth grade. I was like the tiny kid. And then it was like, but that's a thing too. And everyone's like, Hey, little person. I was awful. I, I remember it was, uh, it's so interesting. Like, I'm sure too our listeners might be thinking because you guys are just sparking so much about how confident right like I was Mm -hmm. as a child and like so free so free and so weird I was like the weirdest little (laughs) free spirit just like running around like I just gave no shits I was just so myself Mm -hmm. and then it's like I'm like oh I remember when that started to change right and it wasn't even because I was like the tiny kid that had like no boobs like nothing but it started happening right with people Mm -hmm. around me like the girl like one of the girls in my class like had boobs overnight yeah it was like fourth or fifth grade <laughs> and I was like I would stare at her boobs yeah. and be like see why don't I have those they're like you know or what like what it, you know and it was like the first time you become aware of your body as like maybe something like you know it's weird like what that you don't have control over or like it's just it's so interesting and nobody's talking to you about it right like you said like love my mom to death and and she did her best but she, oh, it's she, not their fault. It's no, no one like to it's them just about it either. They just don't know how to like share. She was great. I remember when I got my first period. Mm-hmm. Hi, everyone on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and um, you know, she was so comfortable and kind and like loving it happened in the middle of the night. Thank goodness. Um, but it was just I was like, wow. Like as you guys are talking, I'm just thinking of all these times in my adolescence where I was like, wow. I was I've never really like processed how much that probably still affects me today because I definitely have like emotional eating stuff negative self-talk like all this stuff right and I'm like oh this is where it started (laughs) yeah that's why we have like intro to self-love and self-care workshops for girls they're two hours on weekends and we try to hit some of these things that parents might be uncomfortable doing or kids are like you know what mom like please don't tell me how to wash my face like right. you don't know just the sassy teen comes yeah. out so for some reason they think we're like their older sisters oh, like they don't know that we keep getting older and older <laughs> but somehow they think we're like 18 and that's yeah. great keep thinking that but yeah. yeah yeah I think it's good for especially girls to have um you know an older female figure that's not that's not mom mm-hmm. you know it, it seems like other or cool and even though you're like oh little do they know you're also like Uh an adult woman yes (laughs) and I'm sure so exciting for the moms right because it's it 
it's hard. I can imagine. And I know my mom did this. She loves me so much. Mm -hmm. Love my mom. But she definitely put her own stuff and her own like her own experiences onto the experience that I was starting to have Mm -hmm. with relationships with men and boys. Right. Like the whole gamut. And so it's I I can only imagine I don't have children, but how hard that must be not to do. Right. Because it's this little thing that you love and she's becoming a woman now. And how can you not be like oh my God, you're wearing makeup or oh my God, like you're becoming a sexual being. It must be so much easier to be like, hey guys, can you please go talk to my children, right? Like I'm sure these mothers are so happy to have you as a resource. Yeah, and then we like to make sure that we like send home some sort of parenting resource, even if it's the girl's journal page. And I know that should be like a private thing for the kid to have, but it's like the mom needs to know what's going on in her brain. And if she brings up that Michelle's being a bully at school, like, here it is you need to you need to address this with your kid your parent you know your question on that how do you guys especially in the in the age of social media how do you deal with bullying i mean not necessarily within the group but Mm -hmm. like when people are experiencing bullying or if you find out someone is bullying too i mean i think anyone's just being a bully because they're hurt right not to make anyone like have an excuse to be a mean asshole no but that's the but, but that's the reason there's a root the right and yeah. so i think when like a parent brings it up we always kind of it's always about friendships okay it's like never really like this random person that's going to attack you it's always we see in the girl and girls that it's your friend that just decides to like flip a switch and go leave you for her because she's cooler and she wears more pink than you or whatever. Yeah. So we always are like, well, what kind of friend are you being? Mm. We always like to flip the script because I don't know what's going on with that other kid. And the, the family that brings up the bully, I don't ever really know. So I'm like, well, how is Genevieve in this? You know, because right. I was like, I don't feel like it's always like these are just random names, by the way. Like, how is Alexa acting? You know, I don't know Alexa, so I I can't speak on her behalf. I'm not at your school. I don't know. So I'm like, how is Genevieve, like, acting too? And how is she responding? Another thing we do teach the girls is if they are experiencing being bullied, it's like you get the power to make a decision. Mm -hmm. So do you, whenever you feel like you're around this person, does it feel good or does it feel bad? And a lot of times that's when bullying comes up and they're like, oh, they're like, oh, I sit by her every day and I feel horrible after lunch. So then it's like, okay, then who can you sit with so you feel good and you feel happy after when you spend time with them? Yeah. And that's a big thing to get them to learn. It's like it's hard to not want to sit at a certain table or like, you know, like be with a certain clique. Yeah. But if it makes you feel horrible, like you have to make that decision and be strong enough to go find someone you love to be around. Yeah. And you then again, it's like that girl power, that powerful. It's like you empower that person to do something, to make a decision that is in their control, Mm -hmm. which like uh, whatever Alexa's behavior is not in your control, but what can you do Mm -hmm. to make you feel better? That's not going to cause harm to someone else. It's actually empowering to you. And I like that. It takes back that power for the kid. And I think again, this is so applicable to adult women as well, because how many of us have people in our lives, we don't feel good around or Mm -hmm. they call us on our phone and, or we follow them on Instagram and we just feel so icky. And it's, it's, this is very applicable to adult women. We get to decide, right? Our community and who we surround ourselves with. Friend breakups are real. But I think going back to the very beginning, when we talked about like our wellness journey is like getting rid of those toxic friends that make you irk when the phone rings 
You have to do it. Even if you're like, oh, no, I might run into her. It's like, I'm oh, sorry, you're blocked, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> you're blocked. <laughs> yeah. But I don't even, most of the friends that have, they really fall to the wayside. When you're working on yourself and you're feeling confident and your yeah. self-esteem is going through the roof because you're surrounded by positive, nice people yeah. or eating better or not drinking as much or this is me, this is my story. But yeah. they just fall away. You don't even have to have a breakup. It's so true. Right? Accurate. Accurate. <laughs> I, yeah, I've, I've, yeah, I've had some interesting, even, you know, I had friend breakups like in my early twenties and then actually again, right before I turned 30, I went through transitions with friends and it was starting to happen because I was deeply working on myself, like mm-hmm. deeply working on myself. And, and I, um, I'm a people pleaser. I'm a recovering people pleaser, but I would just, so it was a big change when I had, I stopped putting people were very used to me just saying yes to everything at my own demise. And when that stopped, friendships changed, you know, and some of those friendships are like, they're gone, unfortunately, or fortunately, but, um, others learn to adapt right through hard stuff where we had to have really difficult, real conversations and, um, we're fine now. Right. So it, but ultimately, even if it hadn't been fine, like I had to start taking care of myself. Right. And this is not easy, but at the same time for me, when I was going through these friendship transitions, it actually solidified a lot of my other friendships and other relationships. Like even Allie and I during that time, we, I started this podcast when I was 29. So right around that time. And, and like my friendship with Allie really grew and this partnership grew. So it was like by making space in my life, um, more positive came in, but it's hard to do even as a 29 year old woman. Yeah. I think it goes back to it's not authentic and it's not your core value and it's not your truth when you're with those people that make you feel icky yeah. and that your real friends and your family that you care about don't make you feel icky. Yeah. So it's that simple. Yeah. Um, so can you guys speak to a little bit where you see your, your program going? Like what are your, what are your goals for the next step? What is your greater vision as you've grown so much? And, um, Yeah. Would you just share any of that with us? Yeah. So this Girl Powerful Journal, we just trademarked all paper goods (laughs) with that word. So we're going to write a billion books and resources and teacher tools and parent tools and girls tools and just human tools. Um, And then we're going to take the show on the road. We did open up Austin and Missouri um, this fall, 2019. So next year we'll be popping up through school districts all across the United States. That's amazing. And so if anyone is a teacher listening or a parent, like email us or yeah. like DM us, please, and say, come to my school because yeah. cool. we'd love to. I have some East Coast teacher friends. Oh, that so would I'll be like great. You in hey, touch East with. Coast. I know some people I definitely want to thank you. Guys you. In See, touch with support. It, and it happens so quickly. You know, when you're doing something that's of value, it's amazing how you know, momentum really can build on itself. And since we've been doing this in LA, not that like LA is where it started. Well, this is always going to be our home, but we know there's a need elsewhere. Yeah. Right. Because we're the, like the wellness capital of the world, basically. So, I mean, not that anyone else has this program, but there's so many, I feel like it's saturated here or oversaturated. And when we go to rural areas, it's like, they don't even like, they're like, Oh, girl power. Like, it's almost like a joke and it's like this isn't a joke like female empowerment is not a joke it's nothing to be laughing at like you are way better than 
what you're told you are. Yeah. And And I love that you guys also are, um, you do focus on a lot of like underprivileged areas in urban environments, but it's interesting. And I think important bringing up these rural environments too, because those are really easily overlooked. Like I'm even thinking about myself and like what, what is in your awareness and what isn't, Mm -hmm. especially for us from big cities. And so, um, I just think that's really cool so that it's not leaving behind. I think, I mean, everyone looks at underserved as race and it's really not. It's socioeconomic. So if they don't have money in their neighborhood or their community, they need tools. And just because it's like a bunch of white blonde girls in the middle of Kansas doesn't mean they don't deserve these same things. And it's hard on the internet though, because all these like fundraising things, they're like, well, white girls, we're not going to help them. Yeah. And it's complicated and I'm just very open and no, this might make someone pissed off, but it's like, this is the truth. No, it's an important conversation. And I think it's, it's interesting too, cause we have to, everyone, we have to fundamentally, I think, shift the human heart right now for that. everybody. I like, that. I think that is something we talk about this a lot because we're not, we're not going to make lasting change unless the human heart begins to change. Mm-hmm. It's just going to continue to being the other mm-hmm. right so we have everybody needs this yeah, regardless everyone. of your you know again like everybody needs yeah this. that's our mission for all girls to feel seen valued and heard yeah all is capitalized and underlined because yeah. we mean it and we have a diverse background of girls we work with look at our book if you're online it, we are so inclusive with the colors of people we have on here and we mean it these are real mm-hmm. people that we designed these pictures after <laughs> that we know it's not a joke yeah. So I just I hope everyone can like look past like even our color too, being yeah. like the people teaching this program. Absolutely. Well, and I I really appreciate that you guys, um, you know, being you brought up this like oversaturated wellness community in Los Angeles. And this is something that Eric and I speak about too, and we have wonderful you know we have wonderful friends in all aspects of it. But there is um, a real element of privilege and lack of sort of awareness sometimes that um, even in our own backyard that people are suffering and people uh, don't have access to, you know, $30 smoothies at Air One every day. And, um, And that wellness is so much more than that. And community wellness is really important. And if if somebody in your community is unwell, then we're all unwell. You know what I mean? It's like it's like or if we have access to something, then we have a responsibility to like provide that to other people as well. So um, I love the work that you're doing. And I love that you've infiltrated in this saturated wellness <laughs> capital because we need it just as much you know oh, for, for sure. different reasons and to bring awareness to this work especially to the people who do have like really privileged wellness right platforms well I know it, it, it's pretty shocking sometimes at the beginning of this year when we were um, working in West Adams at a underprivileged school like four miles from our apartment and there was a girl who was showing up who was drunk and she was in eighth grade she was 13 and we're like, oh, no. <laughs> like I was like, oh, no. Like We're doing these affirmation-based things because we were working with the girls on the run group. And we're like, positive self-talk before you exercise and before you run. And she's just like, I'm stressed out. I'm stressed out. And that's all she would talk about. But then whenever I was taking her picture, I smelled alcohol on her. And, the t- and I was like, I need to go tell her teacher. So her teacher's like, I know she's being raped at home and she her grandma's basically putting her into sex tra- yeah putting her into sex trafficking 
So it's like you literally never know. Like four miles from our apartment, this yeah. poor girl is, you know, she's self-regulating by getting drunk at school. So she goes home so she doesn't have to feel and cope with what's happening to her. So it's it's really, really shocking. Yeah, I, I know I said it's oversaturated, but it's like, yeah, girls need this everywhere. You know, like there's girls in L.A. who don't have access to anything. Yeah. And the poor thing is like. Yeah, but this is this is the reality that we don't see because L.A. is such an interesting place to live because it's so socioeconomically diverse. And even in those like Malibu, Beverly Hills communities, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of um, deep suffering, deep um, poverty, even which people wouldn't think. But it's there. I know it's there. And so, yeah, this needs to be everywhere. So I'm really grateful for the work that you both are doing. Thank you. Yeah. So um, to take a sharp left turn. Yeah, now. Sonia, whoa. Um, <laughs> no, but this no, is but important. We did have yeah. to take a little break. I'm sure. From really underserved neighborhoods because we were seeing a lot of trauma and we were getting secondhand PTSD. Well, that's what we. Yeah. A therapist was like, you need to hit the pause button. Well, that was kind of leading me into my next mm-hmm. question because when you do this work, it's maybe not as sharp left as mm-hmm. I thought, um, but when you do this work, you do take on, right, a lot of the sufferings mm-hmm. of the people you're working with. So how do you take care of yourselves? Like what are some of your self-care practices? And I know it can be like, oh, self-care practices, yeah, but, but it's actually really important, especially in the line of work that you both are in. So I'd love for you to share maybe with yeah. you know our community some things that help you. I mean, I think even after that traumatic week and then something else terrible happened in the same week and we were really like rocked and so we got so shocked, our bodies, our systems, we weren't even speaking. It was It was really hard. Um, and I think just knowing that when you do push the needle that far to like hit the pause button so you can come back and I'm, this is lucky, but I get to walk on the beach every day. And that's like, we're going after this. Like we have to do that. And that's my reset. And I look out into infinity and I feel small again and I feel connected and it's, yeah, it's not about my Erewhon smoothie that I don't buy. And one time I did accidentally order that $26 <laughs> smoothie. I will And do I was it. so fucking embarrassed. I just took it. I just was like, I'll buy it. You know, even though I didn't yeah. realize that Strawberry yeah. Delight <laughs> I, cost so much money. Wait. I was like, this is so wrong. I did it. They I ordered the me. $20 smoothie once. Okay, I was having a really bad day. Yeah. And I was just like, I'm going to go treat myself okay. to a $20 smoothie, right? But you guys, I did it. And I've never done it again. And I, I did it. And the guy who was checking me out, he looked at me and he goes, wow, what kind of day are you having? And I looked at him like, and I said, I said, I'm having a bad day and I'm treating myself to this like ridiculously overpriced smoothie. But yes, it is. It's not happiness. I didn't feel happier. And actually there is science like going to the beach, even putting your feet right in the earth and the sand. It like scientific. It's it's, grounding, right? Literal. It's my favorite way. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. What's yours? I I get up when I wake up and I go work out. So it's like I know that that's my consistency for the day because as entrepreneurs, it's like you really never know where your day is going to go or mm-hmm. who's going to call and be like, you need to come over here. So it's like I get my little time in and I meditate and I'm good to go. And we're together all the time. So that's really good that Sonia does that. Because that's like my one hour, even if I'm just in my bed and Sonia's at the gym. That's our hour apart. It's nice that you guys are so close and able to work together as sisters, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So um, one of the other questions that we ask all of our guests as we start to wrap up is, do you have any 
books that have been particularly inspiring to you over the course of your journey? Um, it can be really on anything. Just It could be a novel you love. It can be on uh, being entrepreneurial, whatever. I'm such a goth. I think I'm like... I'm like emo inside from, but my favorite, emotional. <laughs> I'm go. emotional, but my favorite book of all time is white Oleander. Okay. And I just really resonated with her. And I think it's just like my own like journey of not feeling wanted and like, but like then feeling better. So it's like, I really connected with that book. Okay. Sonia. <laughs> um, <laughs> Mine is Simon Sinek, like knowing your why. Mm. And I actually have seen him speak and then I had him sign the book. And I was like, I would like you to write that I am your why, Simon. And he wrote <laughs> that in my book. Teddy, you are the reason I do everything I do. That's amazing. And he's like, wow, this chick's crazy. <laughs> but I just, I'm like, have always been that way. And even back to the very beginning, Sonia said her journey is different than mine. It is. We lived in the same house and I just was happy and st- silly and smart and just not that you weren't all those things but like I just it was a different life no you're smart but I was just like easy I just cruise man and I'm still cruising but I'm happy and people are joining my cruising train and it's just good times I love it no my 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 brother is four and a half years younger and we grew up in the same house Mm -hmm. we went through the same thing our experience is completely like the way we remember things yeah it's completely different so yeah I think it's important to realize that though yeah. like that I'm allowed to be like I'm happy yeah you know and own that and not yeah. be like I no. had this whole tragic story which there's been horrible stuff but I'm also like it's okay yes yeah yeah, yeah. well because you guys know that you have the power to that's exactly to right. do what you want with your life and make the choices you want for yourself and mm-hmm. live happy lives and that's in your hands and you're now teaching other women that and that's yeah. awesome so we thank you very much for the work that you're doing. If anyone wants to find out more information about Sand Sisters, please tell us where, where we can find you, where they can sign up, all those good things. Go to our website, sand, S-A-N-D, sistersla.org. And that's where our journal is, our mission's on there. All of our events are posted online. And then follow us on Instagram, which is sand, sisters, L-A. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week. Subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness or get in touch through our website, www.courageouswellnesspodcast.com. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica, and we're Courageous Wellness.